Welcome to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes, a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Amid, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Mike leads us verse by verse through the Bible and shares with us the impacting truth of God's Word. Be sure to stay tuned until the close of our program to hear about some exciting news and special offers. We'll also tell you how you can obtain a full-length copy of this entire message. And don't forget, you can always catch up on Mike's teaching on our website at ccmit.org. We're currently going through the book of Luke in a series titled, The Uncommon Gospel. So grab your Bible, turn up the volume, and follow along with us. Here's Pastor Mike. We are in Luke chapter 13 this evening, Luke chapter 13, a message titled, The Narrow Way verse 26. He says, then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. This, this might sound like, you know, Jesus, hey, we went to Calvary Chapel. We, we listened to your word. We gave to the poor. When those missionaries came, we gave a big gift to send them in the mission field. We helped with the kids. We, 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 we saw people healed. We watched those things happen. But it won't work. Verse 27, but, I, but he will say, I tell you, I do not know you from where, where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. And so there happens to be this, this weird connection between knowing him and being saved and not knowing him and living a life of lawlessness or iniquity. Well, why is it that he calls all these people those who practice lawlessness and those workers of iniquity? And, and he says that even though they said, hey, I, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, we did many wonders in your name. And, and he says, I don't know you. He says, you're a practicer of iniquity, you're a worker of iniquity. Well, here's the thing, and, and, and this is part of it, this is just one part of it, but part of it is the Bible tells us that our sins and lawless deeds he will remember no more. Have you noticed that in the Old Testament? Like they do a lot of stupid stuff. Anybody read the Old Testament and like noticed that there's a lot of boneheads in, in the Old Testament? You know, Abraham, hey, tell him you're my sister. You know, I mean, David kills, Uriah has an affair with his wife. I mean, these things that are troubling, it's like, wow, what, where... What is going on here? What's with these people that are doing these things? And yet, when you read the New Testament, where does it talk about Abraham's dumb decisions or David's dumb decisions in the New Testament? Do we see those things written? No. Why? Because our sins and lost deeds he remembers no more. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. And he puts his righteousness on us. Not, not just are we positionally, not does, just does, does he, he give us an imputed righteousness that before the Father, now we are clean, but it also, as, he enters in, as we enter into relationship with him, there is no way that you can enter into the presence of Jesus Christ and, and walk into a relationship with him and not be radically changed. Not, not know that your sins have been forgiven you and the, the, the pressure has been taken off and that, that you are no longer this slave to sin and slave to the devil, but that you've been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ and you are transformed. And as you spend time with him and the closer you get to him, 
the, the song comes true, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And that's what happens as we pass from grace to greater grace as we walk with him and as we have a relationship with him. Jesus changes who we are. He, he tells these people, I don't know who you are, you workers of iniquity. And what is it that God wants us to do? What work is it that we must do? And you, maybe you remember, you know, and maybe these are the same people that say, we ate and drank in your presence, those people who sat on the grassy field while he fed 5,000 people with the few loaves and fishes as he multiplied them in his hands. And, and his disciples went out and distributed it to the groups of 50s and 100s that are sitting down on the field, and, and everybody ate, and they pulled back 12 baskets full. And, and then they went on the sea, and they crossed the sea, and all these people followed. And as they followed, they came to Jesus, these same people, and they had a question for him. And this is what they said in John chapter 6, verse 28. And they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. In other words, not just believe that he existed. I mean, the demons believe that Jesus exists, and they tremble, right? This isn't just believing that Jesus was a person who lived 2,000 years ago. And it isn't believing arbitrary things about Jesus that the cults come up with that aren't true. What this means is to believe in him is to put your trust in him. And not just put your trust in him, but put your trust in him that he did everything that was necessary to save you. He was able to put you under, put the mask on you tight, and get you completely outfitted and strap you to a bunch of equipment so that he could pull you through a deadly tunnel that would com completely kill you if you did it on, tried to do it on your own. But, but much worse than that. He pulled you from the grips of the devil himself and he brought you out of his kingdom. He, he transferred you from the kingdom of darkness, Ephesians tells us, into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. That's what God did for you through Jesus Christ. He transferred you. He airlifted you out of that dark place and brought you into a new existence in a new kingdom. And that's where we have to live. And so believing on him, maybe this is why it's considered a narrow way, because believing on him is putting no trust in myself or the things that I do or the, the, the good deeds I've done in my life, but putting my full trust upon Jesus Christ and him alone. It doesn't mean that you're not going to do good things in your life because it's through his grace that he's set before you, works that you should walk in them, right? We're his workmanship but it's the works that we allow him to do through us that have that bear fruit. And then as he does work through us, then he rewards us for it. It's ridiculous, actually. But that's what it means to be a Christian. And it's exciting life. You're behind enemy lines. You're living every day in the target of the enemy as you follow Jesus and you trust him completely that he's the one who saved you. Well, the devil the whole time is yelling in your ear, you're no good, you're worthless, how could God love you? You know, it's not true, Jesus didn't die for you. You know, he's like, and you're dealing with all that. But you're saying, no. I believe what the Bible says, that Jesus died, and the, the work that I work to work the works of God is to believe, to put my trust completely in him whom God sent, that is Jesus. And that's the work to believe. Again, to use the metaphor, to yield myself completely to the rescue operation. To yield myself completely to the rescue operation. 
Verse 28, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is what he's saying to the Jewish people, and you can kind of understand what he's saying here, because this is a Jewish crowd he's talking to. This is a Jewish crowd who says, are only a few going to be saved? And when he's saying that, are just a few of the Jews going to be saved? Because we already know that everybody else is going to hell. And so Jesus gives this little nugget. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, your fathers, right? And the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. So the Jews are seeing the the fathers, the prophets, and those who trusted in God's promise of the Messiah standing in the kingdom while they are thrust out, while they are standing before the great white throne judgment and then cast into the lake of fire. And, And if that isn't big enough shock to them, Verse 29, they will come from the east and the west and from the north and from the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. Who are they? The Gentiles. That's what he's saying. Yeah, all these grubby, nasty, dirty, perverted Gentiles are going to come from the east and the west and the north and the south, and they're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And so this was so hard for them. In fact, this was so hard for them that even the disciples didn't pick up on what Jesus was laying down here. And for, for about 12 years into the church, they had no idea that a Gentile could get saved without becoming a Jew first. They still didn't think that that was even possible until Cornelius. And then their, their imagination opened just a little bit to the possibility that maybe God could, could save maybe some Gentiles. And then the whole business in Antioch. So, so crazy was what was going on in Antioch that they had to send you know, Barnabas and, and Peter up there to check it out to see that all these Gentiles are, are trusting in Jesus and their lives are being transformed. They're being filled with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues and prophesying. And they had to go check it out and see what was going on because it just didn't seem fathomable that Gentiles could be saved. And then later on, Paul and Barnabas would be sent out by the Holy Spirit to go out into the world, and they would lead people to the Lord with nothing more than saying, hey, Jesus has come to rescue you. Believe on him and be saved. And they would be saved, just like that, without any circumcision, without any keeping of the law, without any rules or regulations. It was just trust in Jesus, and bam, you're a Christian. And their lives were transformed, and their, their attitudes were changed, and, and the, the people were being delivered from demons and delivered from diseases and delivered from alcoholism and drugs. And it's still happening today. So crazy was this that they had to have a council in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15 just to check it out. Because people were saying there's no way that you can be saved without keeping the law of Moses and being circumcised. Thanks again for listening to Abide in Truth with Pastor Mike Hughes. If you would like a copy of today's sermon in its entirety, call us at 208-365-0991 or send us a text at 208-991-2756. Be sure to mention today's date. You can also listen to Pastor Mike's latest message on our website at ccemmett.org. And don't forget to search for Calvary Chapel Emmett on iTunes and YouTube. Remember to hit subscribe when you're there. Thanks again for listening, and remember, always abide in truth. Until next time, God bless. Abide in Truth is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel in Emmett, Idaho.
Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to invite you to watch our services live on Facebook. You can watch us every Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30. Just go to our page, Calvary Chapel of Emmett, and scroll down for the live service. It is an interactive experience. While on our page, feel free to watch previous Sundays as well. So join Calvary Chapel Emmett Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30 on Facebook. We look forward to seeing you. Calvary Chapel of Emmett would like to offer you a free gift for joining us today. Right Now Media. Right Now Media has been called the Netflix of Christian Bible studies. With over 30,000 Bible studies and discipleship videos, there's even tons of Christian cartoons for the kids. To get your free account to Right Now Media, just visit our website at ccemmett.org forward slash right now. That's ccemmett.org forward slash right now. And God bless you.